It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. They want to see me fall, and I will never sell my soul. I'm on some shit that they ain't seen before. Dream chasing, catching all my goals. Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. Monday edition of Lockdown Rams. Welcome back. Fresh week here. We got a lot of awesome content coming your way this week. And we start here on Monday show Lockdown Rams, your team every day, only on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'll get all the good information out of the way quickly. Again, you can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Himalaya. Hit us up, LA underscore Rambling Bears, my personal Lockdown Rams, all accounts. I always appreciate you guys reaching out, asking questions, and giving your comments on the show. I don't have the Google Podcast number in front of me, but I will make sure to mention that this week as well, as we're going to look to take some listener calls as we are getting closer and closer to the season, we're going to talk a little bit about the preseason game. We're going to talk about that in the next couple of days as we learn a little bit more. We're going to talk about the preseason game two in Hawaii, as well as breaking down some of the game, talking about some of the players. And really, we're going to break that down over the next couple of days, talking about multiple players, how they fit into this roster as we start to get closer and closer to that deadline of 53 guys as we cut down the roster and start to build our practice squad as well. And then I'm going to play a couple snippets. Uh, We are doing a Rams podcast summit with Turf Show Times, Downtown Rams, and Talk Rams. We had a great conversation today. And we're going to hit a few topics over the next couple weeks as we continue those chats. Again, with Turf Show Times, Downtown Rams, and Talk Rams. And of course, yours truly with Lockdown Rams. So we'll give you a little teaser of that. You can listen to the full episode of our first installment of this Rams podcast summit over at talk rams he's going to be posting that very soon it might be posted as i'm announcing this here but keep a lookout for that the full episode but i'm going to bring in some snippets we had some good conversations want to throw a couple of those in here as well today well with that said let's talk about this game just a little bit here 14 to 10 cowboys was the score my girlfriend had a birthday party for a family member over the weekend we were there we gathered watching the ufc fights as well I got to watch a little bit of this game, mostly the first half. By the second half, it was UFC action, and I was getting voted off of the TV. Blake Bortles started the game again, went 7 for 11, 62 yards, and a touchdown pass to JoJo Natson. It was good to see JoJo getting involved in the receiving game, not only just being a contributor on special teams, but getting out there, catching some passes, getting in the end zone. We were actually talking, man. It's actually pretty cool watching these preseason games because you get to see some guys Get in the end zone that haven't scored in the NFL. That's got to be JoJo Natson's first NFL touchdown. I don't think he took one back to the house last year, unless he caught one in preseason last year that I don't remember of. But getting that feeling of crossing the end zone, he went down kind of by the field goal post, threw some dice up against it. Like he, The excitement level to see these guys, especially playing down in Hawaii, it was some really cool footage over the last week or so as they were down there. Uh, interacting with fans down there and getting an opportunity to go to Hawaii and play football. But overall for Blake Bortles, wasn't in there long, but looked good. Looked better than last week. Uh, It was turned over to Brandon Allen after that. 14 of 21, 115 yards, one interception. He did look better, I will say that, from what I saw, uh, even going back and watching some film. He did look a little bit better, but still... I'm waiting for John Wolford to make that move. Got in late again in the fourth. He went five for nine, 26 yards, 
really didn't get much time in there. Didn't get many opportunities. Uh, and again, this offense at that point, you're talking about three, four down the depth chart on all positions. So uh, not a lot of action. The Rams, in fact, didn't even put up points on the board in the second half. Again, no panic here, no concern. Uh, we've got Shane Waldron still doing the play calling, which is great. Sean McVay really just trying to get an opportunity to see everybody on the field and get a better evaluation of how he's going to fill out this roster. Uh, a really cool thing I saw, they actually checked in with him during the game and he was live talking to them as they were having some defensive calls. Uh, Dakota Allen made a big tackle uh, during that and he kind of broke down how everyone you know was going on that play was calling kind of the Tony Romo predicting plays as they were coming to the offense it was really cool and actually you know you love these NFL sound bites it's just like I want all these guys especially McVay mic'd up in the head the interview during the game uh, it's probably something that TV is gonna get to at some point but uh, pretty fun stuff you haven't got a chance I think NFL retweeted that or put that out but uh, so did the Rams on their social media but pretty cool stuff from Sean McVay during the game as he has a chance to kind of pay attention a little bit more to the defense than he normally would in the regular season a couple other storylines coming out of the game Micah Kaiser came out of the game with an injury uh, he was headed to the locker room came back with his shoulder pads off he was done for the day we're not sure how severe it is I just saw Lindsay 30 of ESPN update uh, not too long ago that says they still don't have results they're going to run an MRI and figure out what's going on but it seemed to be in the shoulder pec area not a good sign for a guy who Sean McVay kind of said is you know the the odds on favorite to be the starter so far but we're not sure if this is going to be a long-term injury, what the severity is to it yet. So uh, still waiting some, for some information for that. But this is kind of one of those terrifying scenarios that we talked about in the offensive line and in the linebacking core. If we go down with some injuries at this point, who's going to be that guy to step up? Uh, well, it was for one, it was Dakota Allen during the game. Seemed to have a great game. He had eight tackles total, five solo, and one tackle for loss. And actually, that tackle for loss came when Sean McVay was talking. It was the one we talked about just too, not too long ago. Bryce Hager picked up some slack, played pretty well as, as in his limited role there. Obo Okoronkwo, finally, we saw him on the field, and he was making an impact. If he wasn't making the play, I think he had two holding calls against him where he beat the man, and they just basically had to grab him to, to hold him from getting a sack. It was just nice to see him on the field in a uniform. So we'll have to keep an eye on this linebacker position, especially if Micah Kaiser is out for any amount of time during the regular season. Who's going to fill in? I mean, it could be Bryce Hager as well stepping in. Jumping back to the offensive side of the ball, Nasimba Webster had another great game. Uh, racked in four catches, 38 yards on four targets. Saw everything, caught everything that came his way. Uh, Daryl Henderson, man, finally good to see him coming out of the backfield. He had six grabs for 38 yards, along with 26. It was a nice little wheel route up the field, and you saw him. Linebacker had two, three, four steps on him, uh, but he was still just couldn't get the angle with Henderson's speed. And again, six catches, six targets. That's the kind of productivity you're looking for him out of the backfield. Not so much in the run game. We didn't do so well. Again, he had six carries, 16 yards long of eight. Justin Davis led the way with 22 yards. Again, not a whole lot of running going here. Uh, John Kelly, five carries, 11 yards uh, we need to see some improvement. This is a team that did damage on the ground last year. I don't care preseason or not. Uh, we've got some guys that are flying around the line. That's one thing that we talked about in this Ram Summit was, is this a good thing or a bad thing as cross-training? You're kind of not getting someone comfortable. Uh, we'll maybe play that clip later. My thought was it is good for these guys because they can kind of jump, feel out the position. If they ever have to be there, it kind of gives them that experience. But 
It may be kind of not allowing them to get into one role. If you're looking to be a guard, you're not able to dig in there and figure out all the details of being a guard in the NFL as you're jumping around and moving. So there's there's both sides of that, but the line's got to pick it up. We need to see a little bit more production from the run game. I don't care if it's preseason. You still got to move the football. And the offense so far has been a little boring, a little vanilla. I get it. It's preseason, not freaking out, but show me something, right? 14-10 Cowboys-Rams. We'll talk about it a little bit more throughout the week. But what we're going to do is we're going to step aside. We're going to take a break. We're going to be right back. Monday edition, Lockdown Rams, right after this. Before we kick over to the next segment, guys, we got to talk about some sex. And I'm not just talking about regular boring sex. I'm talking about that good, good, that good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. It's this easy. You got to go to bluechew.com. That's right. Like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day, night, full stomach, empty stomach, it doesn't matter. They're chewable, so they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Pun intended. Again, it isn't just for the guys who can't perform. We talked about this. This is for any guy who needs that extra little boost to get across the end zone in the bedroom. We're talking, I made the joke about the Rams only scoring three points in the Super Bowl. Well, well, we only mustered up three points again, so these guys must not be taking the blue chew. We got to get our second and third string some blue chew pills right away because, again, this performance is going to go up instantly. You're going to tell the difference right away. And right now, we've got a special offer just for our listener. Visit bluechew.com. Get your first shipment for free when using the promo code Locked On. All you have to do is pay the $5 shipping. Again, bluechew.com, promo code Locked On. Try it for free. Blue Chew is better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Actually, before we get over to that next segment, I want to talk to you guys real quick about one of the great new sponsors we have here on the show. I'm actually about to, after this podcast, use them for a very specific reason, and that's Postmates, man. Whenever you're getting your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service you need, all year round, Postmates has got your back. Literally anything you're craving, just pull up the app and Postmates can deliver it to you within a few minutes. They are the largest on-demand network in the US and offering delivery from all restaurants, grocery, convenience stores, and traditional retailers that you could possibly ever want or need. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, Postmates is going to bring you what you want within that hour. No more trips to the store. You don't even have to know where the store is at. Postmate is going to find it for you and deliver it to your house. Download the app on iOS or Android for free. Browse local restaurants, businesses, and track down your delivery in real time. And especially since they are now partners with Lockdown, for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 in free delivery credit for your first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the app, and use the promo code LOCKDOWN. $100, guys! Free delivery. Sometimes the delivery on it can be upwards, you know, three to seven bucks. You're getting $100 of free delivery for that week. So seven days, you get whatever you want. Price is just what you're paying for your food or your item. The delivery is free. Again, that's promo code LOCKDOWN. $100 free dollars for free credit the first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Download Postmates and save with our code locked on. We'll be right back Monday's edition right after this. They want to see me fall, and I will never sell my soul. I want some shit that they ain't seen before. 
don't need these hoes. I'm getting money, men on my woes. Play with me, you know it's all I want. Young niggas going all out. All right, Rams Nation, welcome back. Second segment, Lockdown Rams Monday edition. We are getting this week off and running. We're excited. We got some great content this week, and we are getting that much closer to the NFL regular season. It's just nice, man. It's Sunday today uh, as we record here, and football's been on almost all day. Just kind of tossing on a game earlier, had the Chargers on. Uh, the Seahawks game is actually currently going on right now, but it's just, it feels good to turn the TV on and have football as an option on the weekend. Life is good. But what we're going to do now is we're actually going to kind of take a couple of the snippets that we had from our conversation this morning. It was a little rough. Maybe you'll hear a little difference in my voice. Uh, got up early this morning to talk to those guys. It was a little tough getting up after uh, celebrating some birthdays last night, some big UFC fights. Uh, but we had a good conversation this morning, and we're going to continue to have those over the next couple of weeks as we take on a bunch of questions about what happened last year, how things have happened over the offseason, and what we're really looking to expect during the regular season. The first clip I'm going to play for you is actually Joe from Turf Show Times uh, was asked about his three biggest uh, concerns about this offseason and what he thought those were and how they were going to be addressed. Probably the first biggest challenge is just to kind of maintain the the level of, you know, internal pressure to, to you know, succeed, given that we're coming out of a Super Bowl, right? I mean, you go back to last year, you look at guys like Roger Saffold and Andrew Whitworth and some of those guys who just hadn't had a lot of postseason success in their careers, Saffold never making it right until 2017 and Whitworth all those years with the Bengals where they were getting bounced in the first round. And you can understand for veterans like that where they would be motivated going into the season to try to make a run and, and, and get to the Super Bowl, the kind of motivation that we're seeing guys sign with Rams, guys like Indomitian Sue and, and Clay Matthews and Eric Weddle and that kind of motivation, you wonder if that's going to be something to sustain this year coming out of it. Do guys feel, and you, you get this from a lot of other teams, I don't want to make it specific to the Rams because we all get you know wrapped up in you know supporting the idea that they will, but a lot of times those kind of teams suffer from the, the ability to generate the same kind of motivation and the same kind of pressure and the same kind of standards and the same kind of responsibility that got them to the Super Bowl the year before. That's why an organization like the Patriots is so unique that, and maybe Alabama at the Clemson level, that they can always generate that kind of internal pressure to make sure that they're, st- they're living up to those standards. So that's probably the biggest one. The other one, uh, man, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, responding to, and you don't want to deal with the recency bias and the short sample, but the idea of the offense coming up so short in the Super Bowl, um, and, and because that's not a reflection of the roster, we all know how good the roster is on offense, whether it's Jared Goff, the offensive line, as good as it was despite losing two guys, uh, was phenomenal last year, and then all the targets that we have at the skill positions. The offense obviously should have produced more in the Super Bowl, but the reasons why are the kind of things that Sean McVay is going to have to answer with the football, with the product this year. So maybe that's number two. And then number three is probably just the transition from a bit of an older roster. Remember at the end of the Jeff Fisher years, we were always one of those younger teams, if not the youngest team in the NFL. And because we added so many of these veterans the last couple of years, we really started to transition into something that was led by guys that had proven themselves over the course of the career. And then, you know, we had a draft last year where we didn't even get a chance to play anybody. There was no room for Joe Noteboom and Brian Allen and Micah Kaiser. There was no room for those guys on the starting roster. But we're getting to a place where now because we moved on from, what, four uh, players last year and probably another quartet or so that are going to be leaving the roster this year we're going to have those opportunities to bring in some young guys so maybe those are the biggest three is is dealing with the kind of 
uh, internal pressure that got you to the Super Bowl and making sure that stays there and then having an offensive response to what happened against the Patriots and then starting to transition into something new and, and kind of what that symbolizes when we get into a new stadium next year. It's a, it's a, maybe an interesting trio, but it's going to be a fun one being how good we are at football right now. And those are three good takes right there, and I, I loved everything he had to say there, and he kind of looked a little bit outside the box from uh, maybe how I would have answered that question right away is looking at you know offensive line and going into specifics about the linebacking core. Uh, he's really looking at it as a mental aspect of this and how they're going to bounce back from a Super Bowl loss, right? You always hear kind of the Super Bowl hangover. And then also uh, it went out in a three-point production. How are you guys going to get back into that offensive mindset that really got them that far to the Super Bowl? And then kind of the turnover, the consistent turnover over the last couple of seasons of bringing in some veteran guys, but also drafting a great core of young guys and finding that mix and balance between the two to continue to build this roster to a Super Bowl caliber team every year. Uh, so great stuff from Joe there from Turf Show Times. Uh, one of the next questions we kind of talked about is we went through, and again, I'm, I'm picking and pulling, so you guys got to go check out this full conversation. It was about an hour long. Uh, make it trim down a little bit to about 45 minutes, but great conversation. A lot of good stuff came out of it. Uh, the next thing we kind of were talking about was you know, the D-line and the O-line and what was concerning to us. Jake from Downtown Rams stepped in kind of to talk about this offensive line and some of the question marks he had. Uh, here's Jake from Downtown Rams talking about those things as we continued the conversation deeper into some of those things that maybe had us a little bit worried. When I was watching the game last night, I mean, I got I to gotta say this. Um, I think they're deep in really every area except for offensive line. And I know that sounds crazy. Because I also said this was like the deepest they've ever been on offensive line, but they're not there yet. You know, David Edwards, in my opinion, it, it you know I wouldn't say he's NFL ready, but he has a higher floor than say somebody like Bobby Evans, who looks like he has a long way to go. You know, Jamil Demby, um, I don't know if it benefits him moving all over. You know, the offensive line and. Actually, that's something I want to bring up. You know, Aaron Cromer does this cross-training thing and has everybody move all over the offensive line. And Chandler Brewer was playing left tackle late in the fourth quarter last night. Not a tackle. Um, you know, to me, I actually feel like that's hurting their development. You know, like just throwing them all over the place throughout the whole. You can't really gain that, you know, cohesiveness, right? Um, somebody like Vitas Ferenkowitz really only played center. There's a reason why, you know, his pro football focus grade was probably better than anybody else. There's a reason why when you watch the film and I went back late last night and rewatched that game, he looked the best. I mean, he really did, you know, and, and there are guys that stand out. But when you're moving all over the, the, you know, the offensive line like that, that's pretty difficult. So, you know, I will, you know, give them some slack, but they, they don't have any like established backups. You know what I mean, guys? Like they don't have like a Jamon Brown as their sixth man. You know, they don't have I mean, I'm not saying Bobby Hart's the best. I mean, he's literally starting in Cincinnati, but like Bobby Hart as a backup might not be bad. You know, somebody like that. Instead, they're kind of going with some rookies and some two year guys that don't really have a lot of experience. So I'd say offensive line. Yeah, I think that's the part that kind of worries me a little bit about the offensive line that Jake just said is is if someone goes down, like right now I feel pretty good about Allen and Noteboom and, and their progression and, and how the coaching staff feels about them coming into the season. But if someone does go down, if Andrew Whitworth goes down, the, the depth of what we have right now is going directly to you know a rookie or someone in an unproven ground. So uh, that is the, the sketchy thing about that offensive line. But if you, you go to the other side of the ball and look at the defense – Outside of Aaron Donald on that front line, 
Uh, you're looking at trying to get pressure on the quarterback. That was the big thing, you know, even with the addition of Fowler in that contract was like, hey, we're paying you a bunch of money. We need you now to get to the quarterback at a consistent level because Aaron Donald had 20 and a half sacks last year. The rest of the group really, you know, had maybe, what, 15 sacks together. So uh, they need to step it up, not only getting to the quarterback, but when you're giving up five yards per carry, who's going to step in and that line? Uh, you talk about the Rams loving Brockers. Well, uh, we would love him too if he'd help stop the run a little bit more and kind of stuff up that middle. Uh, excited about you know, some of the new guys that we got that we're going to plug in in that line and kind of get into rotation and see how they kind of, you know, step their game up and really as a unit can kind of step the game up because uh, you're looking at that secondary and you keep, you know, we said it last year, you know, the Rams are going all in for it with these trades and, you know, all those cliche terms. Uh, and then here we are just getting run, you know, left and right, you know, five yards per carry. So uh, they've got to fix that up. But, you know, the the depth that O-line is also nerve wracking because if an injury happens, now you're really going from, you know, we've got these guys, as Joe said, it's this, you know, had this understanding, this plan of getting a bunch of guys that we can develop. But all of a sudden, uh, you may have to turn to one of them and say, all right, your, your development is over. And now you're going in and, and you're hitting full action. So um, it, it's one of those good problems to have, though, because you're not looking at a roster as, you know, I think it was Joe mentioned too earlier, looking at the Dolphins and some of these other teams out there that they're trying to motivate and get ready for this season. We're a deep roster from top to bottom at multiple positions. So uh, these are you know good problems to have in, in, a, in a weird way because you're looking at limited space where we can really have this conversation about, you know, we're nervous about a certain position. So uh, those two are tough, but uh, each kind of bring their own uh, worrisome to the table. Oof, yeah, my voice sounds pretty rough right there. That was early in the morning. I wasn't ready for that. Should have done a little A, B, C, D. One, two, three, four. La, 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 la. Warm up the voice a little bit next time. Modder, let's go. But Jake made some great points there. I talked about it in the opening. A little worrisome from him on his aspect of, you know, throwing guys from left to right on the line. Uh, I like it. I think Aaron Cromer's kind of really built a reputation of kind of trusting what he has a vision for in these guys. Uh, but I understand his look at it as well. Uh, then we kind of started to transition and take a look at this D-line and some of the worrisomes that can come with that. You throw in uh, not only the D-line, but that front six. You're looking at some of the pressure from those linebackers. Micah Kaiser going down, that injury that we still don't know what's going on there. Who's going to fill in? Lots of question marks for a team that is pretty loaded on both sides of the ball. But again, good problems to have. Uh, when you're looking at just a few positions that you have question marks, even if you still do have some confidence there, there are things about this roster that we're going to learn over the next few weeks as we get closer to the regular season. But what we're going to do is step aside, take a break. We'll be right back. More of Lockdown Rams Monday right after this. They want to see me fall, and I will never sell my soul. Almost some shit that they ain't seen before. Dream chasing, catching all my goals. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. 
Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. All right, Rams Nation, we are back. Monday edition Lockdown Rams, your team every day, only on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Don't forget, give us a follow, social media, Lockdown Rams, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LA underscore Rambling Bears, my personal. Hit subscribe wherever you listen to, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, leave a review. We love all that good stuff. Also, if you didn't have a chance to listen to every episode last week, go back, check them out. We had some really good uh, crossovers that we did, including the one with Vinny Iyer from Locked On Fantasy Football. If you guys aren't listening to that show already, go do it. We're coming up on all of your fantasy drafts. And not only that, just throughout the year, he's going to continue to update you on pickups, who you should be dropping, guys to keep an eye on, all that type of stuff. Start, sit. All those things he will be covering. Uh, We had him on the show on Friday. If you didn't catch it, go back. Check it out. Uh, He's got 20 years of experience in fantasy football. uh, And we're excited to have him here on the network. Locked on fantasy football on the network. All platforms as well. What we'll do to end the show is we're going to kick it to one last clip. This one, actually, if if I'm correct here, it has all of us on this this clip. Uh, Joe from Turf Show Times. We've got... Derek Ciapala from Rams Talk Radio, who will be posting the first full edition. So make sure to go check that out as well over at Talk Rams, as well as Jake Ellenbogen. And what we're talking about in this next upcoming segment really was the criticism uh, that Jared Goff took after uh, the Super Bowl loss and some of these, you know, uh, still the national media skew on him is that he's boring, he's overrated, uh, really has underperformed, even if you look at some of his you know, performance that he's done and that he's a system quarterback, that anything that he has done is coming because of Sean McVay and not so much himself. So that was kind of the question was, how is he going to bounce back from, you know, sitting out after all of this post-Super Bowl letdown. How is he going to bounce back, respond to the national criticism and really just the criticism in general that he's received as not being kind of one of those top-tier quarterbacks? Here's what we all had to say uh, covering that topic. And that will close out our show. So we'll be back tomorrow, Tuesday edition Lockdown Rams, where we're breaking down more of the game, getting a little bit deeper, hopefully have an update on the Micah Kaiser injury and start to see how that really plays a toll onto this roster and what we're going to do next and how that 53-man roster will shake out. So with that said, you know what it is, Rams Nation. Until next time, peace. Yeah, so in terms of dealing with the golf criticism from national pundits, I think my reaction would best be summed up just by saying, Yeah. (laughs) uh, Here's the bottom line, right? Uh, First disclaimer, I've always been higher on golf than 
the average pundit has since the end of his first season, right? Where people were calling him a bust. I said, come on, he's played seven games. It's too early in his career. We got to wait and see what happens. At the end of 2017, people were ready to pronounce him, you know, the best quarterback. And it's too early in his career. We're talking about a guy who's played two and a half seasons, man, right? If you go back and like, think about like Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers or Peyton Manning, Nobody cares about their first three seasons. That was the precursor that they had to grow into the game and develop their skill set so that they could apply it, you know, down the stretch. So, I, 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 number one, I've got a pro-golf bias that's stronger than most. Second, when we talk about the rankings of, like, Jared Goff coming in 19th or whatever and the kind of stuff we see from, like, Mike Florio or, you know, Colin Coward or Stephen A. Smith, these national pundits, one of the things to remember with those guys is they don't watch all the football. They don't have enough time in the day to do a TV show, to do a podcast, to write, to do all that work, and actually watch 16 games a week. <laughs> right. Jake, whoa, 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 Joe, 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 hold on. Are you trying to say that CN is not a full <laughs> like expert? Like when Jake dropped the Rams-Lions game, none of them watched that game. There's not a single one of them that actually watched that game. <laughs> no they way. Watch, they, they watched the Rams-Chiefs. They watched maybe a playoff game, the Super Bowl, obviously. But you're talking about how many games from golf have they actually seen. So for those of us that are Rams fans that have watched every game of him and seen growth from year one, but year one was such an anomaly, we can kind of throw that out. But you go back to 2017, into 2018, and into the playoffs, and especially the Saints game at the end of that game. If he's playing the fourth quarter in overtime, at to that point, the most important game of his career. I'll throw this out as the hyperbole. Jared Goff has the best trajectory of any quarterback in the NFL. He's gotten better over the last three years, more so than anybody else. His, his improvement is much, much, much better than anybody else. Now, the bar was set very low. His bar, right, the bar that he set in mm-hmm. 2016 was lower than what Dak did, lower than Carson Wentz, lower than Baker Mayfield, lower than Deshaun Watson. But his growth is higher than anybody's. And here's what I don't understand when we talk about this criticism is, why do we assume that the growth has stopped? Right? Why? Why do he made a huge leap from 2016 to 17? He made a huge leap that may have been bigger and more important from 2017 to last year. I don't understand why we shouldn't assume that he's going to make another leap from last year to this year. Exactly. It may not bear out in statistics and fantasy football, but I don't know why we shouldn't assume that Jared Goff in 2019 isn't going to be better overall as a quarterback in terms of his independent play, play like we saw at the end of the Saints game play like we saw against the Vikings and the Chargers, that's not ascribed to a system, not a system quarterback. That's not ascribed to the talent at wide receiver or Todd Gurley, but a quarterback who is managing independent plays based on his own skill. I don't know why we shouldn't assume that he's going to be better at that this year. So I've got a pro golf bias. I've had one for years. I just don't understand why when you've got a guy that I'll throw it out there has the best trajectory, we shouldn't assume that that's going to continue. I get it. The Super Bowl left a bitter taste in everybody's mouth. But that's one game out of the 19 games he played last year. And if you look at his 19 games, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I just don't understand why. Number one, I don't understand why people are dropping him so low in these kind of quote-unquote rankings. But I don't understand why his Rams fans really care about it. Because if he continues to play this way, and if he makes another leap, we're talking about a guy that's going from top 20 to top whatever he was last year, top 12. You're talking about a guy who's going to be in top five, top six category in a league with Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, and he's younger than all of them. So if he makes another jump, I, I just don't worry about how the criticism is going to be uh, levied out from you know pundits that don't necessarily watch the football and like Brett said, they don't care about this stuff, man. Is anybody more unflappable than Jared Goff? Does anybody care less than Jared Goff? He's, it, it's that nonchalance of 
being able to deal with whatever happens for better or for worse, that may be his strongest, you know, character trait. And I think that's only going to benefit him more going into this season because this could be the last year where we're talking about criticism of Jared Goff. And next year we may be talking about praise and whether it's being heaped on too much. That's the thing is I, I think a lot of folks don't understand. It's part of it's his attitude, the I don't give a bleep attitude. He just talked about the other day in a press conference. Every time something goes wrong, he doesn't say, well, we did this, did that. No, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. And then he never says anything else. When someone asks him about criticism, he just says, okay, whatever. Okay. That's the thing. I, I like that kind of guy who's like, I'm not looking at the back. I'm looking at the forward. And quite frankly, if we're really honest about that Super Bowl or that Bears game, Tom Brady, Brett Favre, any one of those quarterbacks is running for a life in those games too. Honestly. They're running for a life. I mean, the offensive line didn't do him any favors in those games. Did he make some mistakes? Absolutely. But if we're going to put blame somewhere and somewhere where some of the criticism belongs, then it doesn't belong solely on his shoulders. I look forward to Jared Goff's development as it continues. And you're right, his development's not done yet. He still has a long way to go, and I'm totally sold on where he's going. Oh uh, well, I, and I got to add to that because my biggest thing is if Jared Goff didn't play as bad as everyone's saying either. Because if you look at, like, say, the year Tom Brady beat the Rams in the Super Bowl, his like his first year, um, you know, he dinked and dunked his way, you know, in basically in uh, prevent defense (laughs) so they could kick a game winning field goal. So, I mean, how many plays did he make? He had 152 yards, you know, like how many plays did he really have to make? So it goes back to Jared Goff. Well, Jared Goff, I mean, if, if Brandon Cooks catches that touchdown, we have a different game, guys. And, and, you know, then the narrative is, wow, this 24-year-old quarterback went into Atlanta, Georgia, and took down the New England Patriots dynasty. You know, if, if say, they, they do end up winning that, and he makes two plays. You know, you talk about the, the play um, going deep down the field that uh, Dan Orlovsky broke down, and, uh, you know, Brandon Cooks. You know, people say he dropped it. I mean, it was hard because he just didn't have much room to really, you know, get his feet in the end zone and, and stay in bounds even if he catches it. Uh, but Goff, he had to wait. And I know people are saying he took too long on that. It was actually a nice play by Jared Goff. They're in quarters coverage. Uh, the field was shrinking because he, he, like, that's a tight window throw. You know, you have your safety coming up over the top. That's going to be a pick if he, you know, throws it earlier, right? So, you know, he had to wait for, you know, the, the guy who was shielding over the top uh, to to try and get it to Cooks. And, you know, a play like that, that wasn't a bad throw. I mean, if that's a bigger receiver, say if that's Josh Reynolds, he might come down with that. He might be able to even get his feet in balance because he might be in better position. But, you know, Brandon Cooks, that that's a tough one. And, you know, he had a lot of those, you know, close plays. Uh, Goff didn't play as bad as everyone else is saying. I went back and I watched it like six times, and I'm like, you know what? You know, the, the Rams, I mean, this game was so, this game could have been so much different if that hold on John Sullivan wasn't called. And like, I mean, I know, you know, we could point at the referees all we want, but that uh, that is not about, you know, pointing the finger or anything. That's just showing you how close this game was. <laughs> I mean, you know, if they don't call that hold, the Rams surpassed the 50, and I believe it was 3-3 three to three at that point. And, you know, now they're they're past the 50 and, you know, the the percentage chance of them uh, winning the game was up to 55 percent. And then after the call, it was 45. You know, it's it just goes to show you that 
like you said, Tom Brady didn't play much better, and this game was really kind of a 50-50 the whole game. And instead, the loser gets the whole, well, you know, Goff, like, he he just he struggled in the moment. And and trust me, he did. I mean, there were, there were plays he missed, and then throwing it up there, uh, just it, it really was, you know, disappointing throwing it up there. And, you know, Gilmore is like, I mean, he's just waiting for it. Like, it's like a punt return, right? But, uh, you know, I, I just don't think he played as bad as he did. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because Tom Brady did not play uh, that much better than Jared Goff, if even. He made a really nice throw to Gronkowski. But for the most part, if you want to talk about Edelman, you know, going over 100 yards, that was pretty much Wade Phillips' game plan. Keep it all in front of them. You know, they, they were playing bend, don't break, and it worked. And they just needed, you know, if the Rams got 75% of what they're capable of on offense, that game wouldn't have been close. They want to see me fall, and I will never sell my soul. I want some shit that they ain't seen before. Dream chasing, catching all my goals. And I don't need these hoes. I'm getting money, me and all my woes. Play with me, you know it's all I want. Young niggas going all out for bloggers in a frenzy. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network. 